It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile. Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to the final drive. It's a Friday edition of the final drive. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you this afternoon. Hope everyone's had a wonderful work week and they are excited about getting the weekend started. And Michael Brauner, I, I don't know what you have planned for the weekend, but I know if it's good weather, that there'll probably be some golf involved for you. Weather's looking dicey, so uh, so we'll have to see. You know, it's that time. Like we said yesterday, it's it's that time of year where it may or may not rain pretty much every day. So, rinse, wash, and repeat, of course, is the name of the game this time of year in our forecast. And to forecast what we have coming for you today on the final drive, we'll talk to Danny Cordy about. Lad People's Stadium and the city of Mobile that is going to be very, very busy with visitors, not only this weekend, but next weekend as well. We'll catch up with Danny to talk about what's going on with the Mobile Sports Authority. John Garcia Jr. will give us a recruiting recap for the Auburn Tigers and the Alabama Crimson Tide and take a national look at what's to be expected here these next couple of weeks. We have Scott Miller joining us from Sirius XM Radio covering Major League Baseball, letting us know what's going on going into the All-Star break in Major League Baseball. We'll talk Gus Smith and future ones. We'll also talk to Orange Beats head coach Jamie Dubose to see what's been going on with the Makos this offseason as well. So, again, a great show scheduled for you. And we'll open it up by talking a little bit about what a lot of people have been talking about. No charges in the Wimbenyama security team versus Britney Spears situation. So that, that, that whole situation yesterday when it kind of unfolded and broke on TMZ is the fact that Wimbenyama, of course he does have a security team, and if you are a superstar athlete, anytime you stop, it allows people to gather around you. But as the video footage was released this afternoon, you can see that Britney Spears basically accidentally slapped herself. <laughs> and how do you accidentally slap yourself? Well, when you go to touch someone and unbeknownst to them, the security team pushes or your hand away. Her hand came back and popped her in her own face. So, oops, she did it again. And a little bit of different stories about Wimbenyama saying that he grabbed on her. No video footage has proved that. It just pretty much showed what she talked about, her being tapped on the shoulder. But I have news for her. She wanted an apology from Wimbenyama. Not going to happen, Bronner. As it probably shouldn't, if you break down the video, she kind of came down, came 
came out of nowhere and uh, and put her hands out. The security slapped it away, and her own hand hit her face. I mean, this this whole thing was ridiculous, man. You know, <laughs> you read the headlines yesterday, or I guess it came out two days ago that there was some nonsense between Britney Spears and Wembem Yama, and you're like, ah, what's what's going on here? That's a rough start to uh, to Victor's career. And then yesterday, it's like, oh, there was. You know, contact between the security team and Britney Spears. And then the video comes out today, and you're like, wait, wait, what, what the heck is Britney Spears doing? She's running up. And so, yeah, no, I, good, good, good for Victor. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm coming around on the guy. Well, well what kind of the whole situation, though, Bronner, that really kind of frustrated me a little bit. It, it, it could be one thing if, if Victor had turned around and, and put his hands on her himself, but to even have him affiliated into this whole story and yeah, i know he, yeah it really wasn't it, it wasn't it wasn't about him and for him to continue to be doing as a rookie and the number one overall draft pick to do what security detail has asked him to do look don't stop in crowds just keep it moving don't turn around just move forward so with him not even really witnessing or knowing who tapped him on his shoulder and exactly what happened you know it, it's unfortunate that he particularly got involved or was asked about it like he was directly involved in putting his hands or assaulting or touching Britney Spears but it's one of those stories that it, it, it's one heck of a way to start your NBA career tonight as he will make his debut against Brandon Miller the Spurs versus the Hornets and you know whether he plays five minutes mm. whether he plays 15 minutes He's going to be limited in his summer league action. He's coming off a full season of France basketball. I mean, he left maybe a couple of days before the NBA draft occurred to come on in to the NBA draft and, and to witness that. So I just think it's a situation to where the limited minutes that people are playing, paying absurd prices just to say that they were in the building when he made his debut – is that what it is? I mean, because it's sold out. There's going to be over 17,000 people really? to, to witness and play. It's standing room only. I mean, the arena is already filling up, getting ready for the games that are taking place before hmm. his. But, I mean, ticket prices initially were $100, and you've got people scalping them for 250 to $300. What time just is that to game at tonight? 8 o'clock our time. 8 o'clock 8 o'clock our, our time. We'll right. have an opportunity to see Brandon Miller versus Wimbenyama. And, you know, that's one versus two. And that doesn't happen too often early as soon as someone gets drafted. Because, of course, you know, the NFL draft, you're having to wait until preseason. So you go from sitting there with the draft in April, having to wait until really August to see some action um, or even OTAs for that matter. But NBA, you know, you go from the draft to two weeks later to getting ready for the NBA. But are, are you with the the sharing of minutes or load management for Wimbenyama? I, I mean, I don't think he necessarily needs to. There's there's no reason to throw him out there for 30 minutes in a summer league game. So yeah, I mean, although Brandon Miller's been playing quite a bit. Yeah, I mean they they but I don't know. I it, it's two different levels of player if we're being honest. Like and. Obviously, Wembenyama hasn't proven anything yet, but based on what he's supposed to be, I mean, you kind of see that as, uh, all right, you know, he doesn't necessarily need to play in the summer league. He's supposed to at least come in and be an instant star, whereas Miller, uh, Miller's struggling a little bit, 
I think the the narrative is overstated just a little bit at least. Uh, for one, you know he's kind of kind of playing in a stretch four role instead of instead of uh, you know the the role he was playing at Alabama. That Hornets team is just I mean it's the B team of an already terrible team. I'm and okay. I'm okay with with. You know, he's only played two games. You know, I'm not like I think the people who are making a lot out of the quote unquote struggle, and he's not even really struggling, by the no, way. He's I, shooting near 50%. Making he has adjustment. double digit assists. Like, he's going to be fine. Uh, he's doing, oh, for the record, he's doing better than Jabari Smith did in his first two summer league games. I had to throw that one out there. But yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's doing fine. That team stinks. We'll see what it looks like when, uh, when Ball gets out there. But yeah, I, I think it's, I don't know. It's. People have been quick to say, oh, look at Brandon Miller's summer league performance. I mean, he had 18-5 and five in the first game in a game they were losing by 30. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's okay. Stepped I, in. He's doing I, I'm, fine, I'm, man. I'm, I'm good with – I'm just glad as a fan you're able to see one versus two. And whether it's limited minutes for the overall number one pick and limited minutes for the number two overall pick, both of them are going to have sure. plenty of opportunity to show – their worth of being drafted number one and number two but as we're continuing to stay on the nba path you know dame lillard of course yesterday his agent comes out and says look my client wants to go to miami and play for the miami heat now the asking price for dame lillard four first round draft picks and two quality players is what is being asked for dame lillard and i don't know that there's a franchise in the nba that can give up four first-round picks, even that can spread it out over their next 10 years because that's what you're going to have to do in order to get Dame Lillard, and you're going to have to find a third team to do a three-way deal because it's not going to be directly with the Miami Heat. Yeah, I mean, someone's going to do it. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be Miami. I mean, the report was that they're not really interested in Tyler Hero at all, so like from a quality player, at least that they're willing to move, I, I don't know what uh, – what that looks like at that point. I think the Celtics are are sneaky players in that still. I, I just don't. I, I think either Dame is going to go to Miami like he's or requesting, stay. or he's going to stay, we'll and, and it'll be a stalemate. And I think that you know, if you're a Portland Trailblazer fan, I don't think you want to go out and burn your Dame Lillard jersey just of yet, uh, because he's mentioned his loyalty to that franchise has been deep, and yeah, don't you don't see too many of them. Uh, well, I, I I think you you will have those angry fans, quite who, possibly the dumbest trend in sports, who are unhappy with them leaving. But look, look at the he's Portland is such a small franchise, small market team. Okay, big time name, small market team, and for him to say, look, I'm willing to stay in Portland and have stayed in Portland since he's been drafted and not request trades or anything like that. I think. That's good for Dame Lillard, and he goes to show what kind of person he is. And as we continue to to wrap up this first segment and talk a little NBA action, did did you did you hear about Dennis Rodman and oh and, no and, and what Rodzilla decided to do? <sighs> yeah, well, yeah, I saw it. Y you know, Dennis Rodman is. Every now and then he'll say something that makes headlines, and he made headlines. Do something that makes headlines. A couple weeks ago, and and he made headlines again. Now, I have I have never, besides Mike Tyson, getting a tattoo on his face. You don't see too many athletes, former athletes as well. Dennis Rodman, his newest tattoo, 
is on his face. And it's not a small tattoo. I mean, it goes from his temple all the way down to his jawbone. A picture of his girlfriend. Not his wife. Not 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 any his girlfriend. And this is real ink that Dennis Rodman decides to put on his face. I know Mike Tyson's talked about, yeah, if I had it overdue, I probably wouldn't have gotten a tattoo on my face. But Dennis Rodman already tatted up from head to toe, and now he adds one on his face. Very, very strange from the yeah, worm. Yeah, yeah. It was it, like you said. It's it's not small either. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's quite, you know, look that up on Twitter if you haven't seen it. It's uh, it's quite the large image of his. It's not his wife, right? It's his girlfriend. It's his girlfriend. Uh, so, know, so, I mean, I if she more power to him. I, I hope they stay together. To <laughs> it's, a it's a tough look for him it, if they break it, up. You it's know, that's a, a real tough look It's not look on his back. It's it's on his face. Uh, the woman's face is on his face in that tattoo. So, uh, yeah, I'm not a tattoo guy myself. Uh, you know, if I was... If I was going to get a tattoo, it probably wouldn't be on my face. Uh, but, yeah, Dennis, you know, yeah, I don't put anything past Dennis at this point. No, you can't. You you, you really can't with, with Dennis Rodman because he, he's seen and done things that that Lord only knows. And, again, the one of the greatest rebounders in NBA history. But as far as anything else and his comments about Larry Bird a couple of weeks ago, it was absurd. Danny Cordy. Coming up next, downtown Mobile is going to be a very busy place, downtown Dolphin Street. Danny Cordy can inform us as to why, along with if you like basketball and you like having an opportunity to see youth basketball, he'll keep us informed. Coming up next here on The Final Drive. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Bronner, joining you on this Friday afternoon. want to thank everyone for tuning in. And, of course, we just mentioned the fact that Dennis Rodman had his girlfriend's face tattooed on his cheeks. Well, I tell you what is tattooed. The Mobile Sports Authority getting things done here in the city and how busy it is. Danny Cordy, the executive director of the Mobile Sports Authority, joins us this afternoon. Danny, how's it going, my friend? Hey, guys. Appreciate uh, you having me on. And that's a, a great segue there, Mr. LeBath. <laughs> you got it, brother. <laughs> I, I, I tell you, things are, are heating up outside, but you can stay plenty of cool in the air conditioner at the Mobile Convention Center today and tomorrow as, well, excuse me, tomorrow and Sunday as you have the 2023 Primetime Gulf Coast National AAU Basketball Tournament coming to the Mobile Convention Center. Over 120 teams going to be here this weekend. That's a big-time event. Well, Corey, we appreciate it. In fact, I am standing on Court 5 in the middle of the Convention Center as we're finishing putting up the courts. We have 10 courts. Of course, that the county helped us buy through the ARP funding, and we have those down, and we're just finishing up the, the finishing touches to, to get this going. But yeah, this uh, this has uh, enabled us to have more volleyball, more basketball tournaments. And when I sent out that press release, which was I think last week, we thought we'd have about 120 teams. I was just informed by Coach Richard Robinson, who's the tournament director. The count is 151. 
And that would be if all those teams show up. In fact, we start tonight because of that. If all those teams show up, it would be the largest youth basketball tournament ever held in Mobile County, breaking the record of balling on the bay that had 130 just uh, a few months ago. So, yeah, this uh, we're blowing and going with this, and this has been a great investment for the city and county, and you're going to see a lot of basketball teams downtown this weekend. Well, the great thing is, Danny, no matter, again, how hot it is outside, the air conditioning there at the Mobile Convention Center, and you're bringing people and teams in, even if half the amount of teams are from Mobile, the other half coming from outside of Mobile County's area. So it, it's great for not only tourism, but hotels, but as a whole, Mobile wins, because when you have the, the wonderful weather that's being shown here throughout the day, getting to and from the events is seamless, and you're just being exposed to, to what Mobile has to offer. Well, and, and that's that's the whole idea is that, tur of course, we all love tourism as a very clean industry, I guess, how it's defined, and sports tourism since the end of the pandemic, and you and I have talked about it before, it has been on fire, so to speak, and it's doing nothing but growing. Basketball has grown. Volleyball has grown. We all know about pickleball success. Baseball is still growing. I mean, it's uh, it, it's it is crazy what's going on since the end of the pandemic, and everybody came sort of came back online. And all we want to do is get our part of it. And to do that, you have to have facilities, you have to have the the right uh, venues in place, and 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 we're slowly getting there. We're, we're we're still a little bit behind our competition, but we're slowly getting there, and we're making do with what we have. But we do have some nice facilities with this convention center. Hopefully the Civic Center is going to get uh, redone in the next two years, which that will be another sports venue. Uh, and, and, and uh, of course, we have Hancock-Whitney. The talk is that LAD may, may get a bunch of money put into it for our HBCU game. So uh, uh, the, the, I guess the elected leaders are, are, are finally seeing or seeing that, that, that sports tourism is really the future. And Mobile, with where we're located – a lot of teams want to come to Mobile because of where we are. So we just have to have the venues to be able to accommodate them. And I know a lot of people saying, well, you know, what will it cost? I know that when I was looking at the attendance cost, it, it's $35 for the weekend pass. And I think that when you look at being able to get three days or two and a half, depending on whether you're playing tonight, all in the air condition all day long while your team's still winning. It's it's a definitely a great value there, thirty five dollars for a weekend pass. And then you step outside of basketball and you look at tomorrow the Mobile County Sportsplex will be in full effect for a little bit of soccer action, five versus five soccer tournament. That's right. We started uh, obviously with the sportsplex coming online, uh, and and that. With, with the three fields we have presently out there, hopefully at one day we'll end up at ten fields. Uh, five v five soccer. We we brought them in last year. It was really kind of a small event. I think we had twenty teams last year. I I, I don't have the 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 number of teams that are signed up right this second, but I believe it's going to be about the same number. Again, not a huge event, but what we want to do is these regional and, and slash national events. We want to show people what we do have, and with, with the sportsplex, of course. We know a lot of investment going on out there with more fields, 
with the future aquatic center coming down the road. So we just want to show that off. Even if they're not ready now, we're showing where we're going in the future. And I think that's important because a lot of times you, you, have, to, you have to go out two and three years to book these events to, to come in town. So we, we have some time for that. I know the basketball tournament is boys and girls, grades five through rising seniors and 12. Is the soccer men or women or a combination of both? Uh, actually, uh, how we did it last year, I believe, was a little bit of everything. Yeah. It, it had youth and some adult teams out there. So I have not had a chance to follow up with with uh, with everything, kind of getting these courts up this week. But I will I will this afternoon. But uh, again, it's all different shapes and sizes, so to speak. Which will who will be playing soccer at the Sportsplex this weekend? I will say this as well. Next weekend, it tr- continues to be another busy weekend throughout Mobile as we're welcoming the 2023 Babe Ruth Nine and Under Southwest Regional Tournament at Westside Park, and also you have the Ten and Under Southwest Regional Tournament, Grand Bay Union Double A Ballpark. So you have that along with my favorite to see is the. Dolphin Street pole vaulting downtown. And if you haven't had a chance to see that next weekend, man, when you're pole vaulting in the middle of Dolphin Street downtown, that's an awesome sight to see as you'll get competitors coming from all across the country to go ahead and pole vault. Before I mention that, yeah, uh, Babe Ruth working with Tony Hendricks and his group. Uh, Tony's the state commissioner for Babe Ruth. He's all, he's done a great job over the years, and we've partnered with him the last two or three years to bring in more state and regional regional tournaments. We've also had some a World Series or two, and and I mentioned earlier how much baseball is growing. It, youth baseball is continuing to grow, so we hope to continue down that road as we improve our ballparks or. Around the uh, around the county, and the Dolphin Street Vault. Yeah, we were we were involved in the very first one back. I believe it'll been 2011, and of course we didn't have a, a vault in 2020. It would have been 13th annual, but it's now the 12th annual, and it's uh, it's a sight to see. I understand that there's only 200 vaulters, amateur and pro, uh, which is sold out because we have three pits on Dolphin Street. And we go from 8 a.m. in the morning next Saturday to 9 p.m. next Saturday night, pretty much all the way through, maybe with about an hour break. And and if you've never seen something, it's very uniquely mobile, and it's, it's a pretty cool event. I mean, there's no tickets. There's no admission. You just come down and go in a restaurant and eat dinner or eat lunch and come on out and, 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 and check it out because – Especially as it gets darker, the pros come uh, come out, and that's when you get up to 17, 18, 19 feet on some of these vaults. And if you're, it's really kind of cool. I remember standing on the, the balcony of of uh, uh, of Croc Myers and seeing those guys pretty much at eye level as they come <laughs> up over the bar. That that was pretty neat a few years ago. Absolutely. So the Mobile Sports Authority has a lot of things going on. Of course, last week we had an HBCU press conference at Ladd Stadium. We'll have another one coming up to debut the Alabama State and Grambling game and preview that one. So a lot of great things going on, Danny, and everybody can just go to your website if they want more information on the events that are going on across Mobile, Alabama, not only this weekend, but in the weeks to follow. 
Absolutely, and I appreciate you mentioning that. Our website is mobilesportsauthority.com. We try to keep it updated daily with what's going on, and uh, and we can direct you to other details if, if needed to be, and that's the best one-stop place to, to start if you're looking for a particular event, whether it be to participate or whether it be to actually come see. So. We're, we're really, we really are fortunate with where we are. The city and the county have been, have been great partners with us as they have funded us really since 2009. And uh, hopefully we're, we're getting the return that they want. And, and it, it's, it's a blast. It, it really is fun to, to see all this come to fruition. And as they say, you just got to keep chopping wood, Corey. There you go, Danny. I appreciate it, man, for you chopping it up with me this afternoon here on the final drive. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Anytime. Thank you, guys. Danny Cordy, the executive director of the Mobile Sports Authority, joining me this afternoon. Coming up next, recruiting guru John Garcia Jr. joins us here on the final drive. Hi, this is Luis Gonzalez, former South Alabama Jaguar and Major League player. You're listening to WNSP Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you on this Friday afternoon. want to thank everyone for tuning in. And, of course, you can correspond with us on the WNSP app, or you can give us a call at 251-694-1055. And it's always a pleasure to talk to our next guest. I call him the encyclopedia of high school recruiting because he can pretty much tell you A to Z, doesn't matter who the recruit is, where the school is. John Garcia, Jr., National College Football Recruiting Analyst at Rivals, can go ahead and break down any team that you're talking about their needs, their wants. John Garcia has you covered. And, John, good afternoon. Hope all is well, my friend. All is well. Thanks for uh, thanks for the kind words. Don't oversell me to your audience. Uh, uh, Slow down a little bit. <laughs> you got it, man. I, when, when you look here locally at Alabama and Auburn, we'll, we'll go to Auburn first because, I mean, the biggest news this weekend was Cam Coleman kind of shunning the Auburn Tigers and, and committing to Texas A&M. Damian Craig and Jimbo Fisher found a way to get it done with Cam Coleman. That shocked a lot of people. Yeah, yours truly included. Um, one, it's one thing to, uh, you know, pick a team that folks didn't view as your leader, right? That that happens. It's recruiting; it gets crazy. But Cam Coleman was talking about not even committing anytime soon. So this was sort of a surprise on multiple fronts: the timeline and the destination uh, of of which he selected. So yeah, caught a lot of people off guard, uh, including yours truly. But Look, he basically said, look, Texas A&M has been right in the thick of this thing the whole way. They did a really great job hosting him for an official visit. And from that point, A&M was sort of the team to beat. So the only question for Cam became, do you sit on that and, and allow other schools to continue to court you? And look, he has a huge list of suitors. I think he put out like a top eight. So there were still seven other programs in the mix for him. And not all of them hosted him for official visits. Or do you shut it down and say, hey, you know what, I, I, I'm convicted with the school that, that um, 
I, I, I like, and I'm, go, I'm done. I'm good. And he obviously chose the latter option, um, and, and he didn't know people were going to be so surprised. So he was. He told our guys he was a little bit um, surprised himself to see how many people had reached out to figure out, you know, you know how Texas A&M won out and 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 why he decided to to end the process. But he basically said he was comfortable with that pick, and and A&M had vaulted Auburn. He did admit Auburn was the number two school, um, and probably the favorite before that that Texas A&M visit. So you understand the surprise negatively from the Auburn perspective. Um, two things. One. Again, it happens. It's recruiting. Um, Texas A&M this cycle has been much more steady and consistent in recruiting. It feels a lot more like the 22 cycle than 23 for them. And then two, look, it's July. So there's still a long way to go before any dust is going to be settled and any letter of intent is going to be signed in December. So you know Auburn is going to stay heavy on the Cam Coleman front, even though he's, he's got another school's logo next to his name. Talking to John Garcia, Jr., National College Football Recruiting Analyst at Rivals. John, I, I mean, this kind of – the Cam Coleman thing kind of speaks to a, a wider question in general. Yes, he commits to Texas A&M. You know, I would assume it's not over until signing day. How much do you think that aspect of recruiting has changed over the last couple of years? Like, surely Auburn is not going to give up on recruiting Coleman, you know, just because he committed to Texas A&M. Like, how, does committing now mean significantly less than it did, you know, even, say, five years ago? Absolutely. There's really no other way to put it. And I think it's something that, look, the kids have, have leaned into it. There's no doubt about it. But, look, the programs have as well. You know, I think that's the, the untold side of it is, look, these programs are evaluating more cutthroat than they ever have. We all know about the portal and that impact uh, of taking a, a college player with experience versus a high school player who's going to be on the short end of that one. So, um, yeah, the word commitment is more fluid and the stance is more fluid than it's ever been. And it's really because of all sides of the argument. You know, one coach told me that commitment is the beginning of the recruitment you know this is definitely an sec coach you know ready for the nitty-gritty but the commitment in some aspects yeah it's, it's kind of the first you know flagpole moment the first checkpoint because for the recruit it tells you who's still rapidly after you who still very much has a desire for you to be on their roster because inevitably even for a cam coleman two, three, four of those, of those top eight teams that he was considering probably got on the phone with him and said, are you sure, A&M, whatever. And he says yes, and they're going to say, okay, we res respect that, and we'll see you later. The other ones, presumably Auburn is in this group, are going to say, well, congratulations, we respect that choice, but we're going to keep pushing because it means that much to us. So some kids use it as a filter. Not saying Cam is or will, but some kids do use it as a bit of a filter, and, and some do view it as the beginning of the recruitment or really just a public declaration of a leader. This is a school I'm most likely to go to at this point, but there's so many variables beyond that that create so much movement later in the cycle, whether it's the coaching carousel, we mentioned the portal, um, the evaluations change. These kids still have a whole year of, of high school ball left. The on-field product we'll see at the collegiate level will change a lot of opinions and wants and needs. Uh, for, for various schools. So there's still so much at play that it really behooves the player and the program to take these commitments for what they are and kind of continue on elsewhere anyway. 
Well, I tell you, you know, this evening you have Alabama and Texas that are doing battle not in the second game of the season, but for a four-star recruit. And I think if I'm mistaken, Aaron Hampton, an athlete, is going to choose this evening between Texas and Alabama as to where he wants to go? Yeah, he is. Bubba Hampton, his nickname is Bubba. Uh, that's going to be a big one because it has gone back and forth. He's a Texas kid, I will say that. Uh, but there was a lot of Alabama vibes in this recruitment earlier in the spring into the summer, and, and Texas got hot right at that point, and now there's a little bit more Texas vibe with this recruitment. So he's going to announce, uh, yeah, this evening on the Rivals.com YouTube channel. So definitely urge all our listeners to keep an eye on it because, look, even if you're not a fan of – Alabama or Texas, if you're an Auburn fan or a Georgia fan, LSU, whatever it is, those are conference opponents, regardless of which school uh, he's going to select tonight. So that's a big-time recruitment set to end and what has been really a run of, of big-time recruitments ending. This end of June into July corridor has become the green zone for verbal commitments. There's, there's several every day, and there's still a few more planned over the next few days, but Hampton is, is one of the biggest for sure. Georgia was able to squeak out a commitment with Daryl Hamilton, I think, or Daniel Calhoun, excuse me, that is decided, big offensive lineman decided to go to Georgia. He, he had an opportunity to say, look, I want to go to Alabama, but he chose Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs. That's another one in the nest for Kirby trying to protect his future value at quarterback. 100%. Daniel Calhoun, a massive Montgomery native. He was there at Montgomery Catholic a few years back before transferring over to the Atlanta area where his recruitment uh, just ballooned and, and became a true heavyweight battle. Um, and naturally, it doesn't get bigger than, you know, Kirby versus Nick for a recruit, especially in the state of Alabama or Georgia, or in this case, both for Calhoun. So, yeah, this was a big deal. A lot of, uh, a lot of early indications were that, yeah, he was going to go back to his home state of Alabama. He's a legacy prospect. But Georgia at that position has really been able to find their type and, and lean into that. Uh, and, and when you're you know 330-plus like Calhoun is, Georgia is just one of those programs that has been able to mold and develop those type of players into Sunday guys. So you certainly understand while why they're getting the benefit of the doubt beyond the obvious and the national titles and all of those things. But Calhoun's a big-time player, a true tackle, uh, probably a right tackle down the line, depending on how his body matures at the next level, but absolutely a guy Alabama wanted. And, and look, this is the mark of, of two great programs. We saw Alabama going into Georgia to pluck Atlanta-area guys, so now this is Georgia going to Montgomery basically to pluck uh, an Alabama state native uh, to, to go on their side of the coin. So this is back and forth we go between these two programs, and there's really no end in sight for that, whether you're looking at this class or, or certainly beyond. John, we've talked to people on the Alabama side of things, people on the Auburn side of things with regards to Perry Thompson, fully wide receiver, who's currently committed to Alabama, says he's 100% locked in, is headed to Auburn for, for Big Cat Weekend. What are your thoughts currently on that? I'm a, Obviously, Auburn is still trying to flip him. Your, your thoughts on the likelihood that Hugh Freeze is still able to land him? Well, look, I think the Cam Coleman situation probably puts more pressure on Auburn with, with Perry Thompson. They've sort of the, – the thought, the initial thought was, could you imagine if Auburn grabs Perry Thompson and Cam Coleman, the two 
biggest, maybe best wideouts in the state for the class of, of 24, both 6'3", Perry 6'4", at this point, maybe even taller. Uh, could you imagine if Auburn were able to, to put that together? Well, it's still possible, but right now both guys are committed to, to rival logos in the SEC West. But look, Perry has been flirting and frequenting the Plains uh, very consistently over the last six months or so. He took an official visit in June. Um, but like you said, he's going back for Big Cat Weekend, um, even though he took the official to Bama earlier in, in June as well. So he's basically said, I am locked into Alabama. However, Auburn is right there. You know, So I think you're seeing what we talked about earlier, some due diligence from, from both sides of the coin here. The, the programs and the players have to be diligent because things change in such short order and for a guy like perry thompson who committed to bama so early think about how many changes he's seen just at alabama not only with the roster but you look at the offensive coordinator situation and, and other developments on the coaching staff and there have been different approaches than, than what he thought he was signing up for when he initially committed and then obviously auburn total overhaul on that front so i do think the the, the visits are worth watching i do think he is on flip watch i don't know when you know, he wants to finalize this thing, but there's no doubt that Auburn is absolutely a player for Perry Thompson. And I was told if Auburn was going to flip any of the Bama commits that they had been efforting at this time, it was Ryan Williams, Perry Thompson, Sterling Dixon, a bunch of 251 guys. Thompson was the one that this source felt like was the most movable, the guy who was maybe the closest to actually jumping ship. So absolutely a, a prospect for both fan bases to keep an eye on and a really good prospect anyway, top 100 guy nationally on, on Rivals.com, just a menace at Foley High School who's been that way since, what, since ninth grade when he started uh, on varsity. Five-star athlete K.J. Bolden has finally announced that, hey, a month from now he's going to make his decision. Of course, Alabama being in the mix, Auburn, Florida State, Georgia, Ohio State. If we had to lean here on K.J. Bolden, what do you, what do you think his thoughts are, the five-star safety? Yeah, I think this is Georgia's race to lose. Um, we've seen Alabama become such a thorn uh, in Kirby Smart's side, not only in the Atlanta area with great prospects, but at Buford High School in particular, where Bolden plays, right? You know, there's several Buford Wolves on this current Alabama roster. I think Justice Haynes was the most popular Buford get uh, for Alabama over the last uh, several recruiting cycles, having been a, a Georgia legacy player. So there's a sense that, kind of like Auburn with C Central Phoenix City, and we thought with Cam Coleman, they got to get over this hump. There's a bit of a sense of that in Athens. Like, the dogs have to get over this Buford hump and land one of these elite guys. So naturally, you go to defense, you go to the secondary, which is Kirby's wheelhouse, uh, for a player that, you know, is, has been that guy for several years, you know, in, in K.J. Bolden. So he would be a very tough miss for Georgia. And you just, for me, you can't imagine that happening back-to-back -back cycles with, with in-state guys, particularly with the, the number one player in your state defensively being the number one safety in America. It happened last year with Caleb Downs going to Alabama over Georgia and others, you couldn't imagine it happening again uh, just from a, a, a law of averages standpoint. So I do think Georgia's the favorite for Bolden. But let me tell you, he talks up Florida State. That's the school he says is his dream school. He was at Alabama for an official in June. We just talked about how many Buford Wolves are on this Alabama roster. And Ohio State has some family ties with, with KJ. So this is not a 
a shoe-in layup for Kirby Smart and, and the Georgia Bulldogs, even with all of the obvious advantages that they do have in, in recruiting a guy like, like K.J. Bolden. But I do expect the, the Bulldogs to be the pick if, if he had to make one today. Well, John, I, I tell you, I can't thank you enough for pulling double duty here on WNSP this morning and this afternoon as, again, just always a wealth and a plethora of knowledge coming from you. And, of course, 251's definitely revving it up here in classes of 24 and 25. If people want to follow all your tremendous football knowledge and coverage nationally, not just talking Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, and the Southeastern Conference, but from a national standpoint, how can people follow you? Yeah, real simple. It's just uh, John Garcia underscore JR on all social media. I even have a thread profile now, I'm told. So check us out there. Uh, and obviously the website, Rivals.com. Your favorite team's got a great rival site and community uh, to go along with it. So check it out. There's a bunch of free trials and promotions out uh, across the entire network. So certainly check out Rivals.com for the latest on your team uh, and keep an eye on uh, the enemies there as well. Will do. And I tell you, you're never an enemy of this station or this show. Always appreciate your time. And I hope all is well. And again, you have a great rest of your summer. And we'll be talking again here as high school football kicks off here locally in about a month and a half. And we're excited that you're always a part of our great coverage. And be, be blessed. Likewise, fellas. Thanks for having me. John Garcia Jr. joining us this afternoon on the final drive. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Juan Sierra, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And, you know, as we're getting ready to approach college media days, SEC media days in particular, in a week and a half, you, you, you start looking across the country and anytime a story breaks on a head football coach, you, you always wonder, good, bad, or indifferent. And, of course, at Northwestern, Pat mm. Fitzgerald, their head coach for the Northwestern Wildcats, he received a two-week suspension <laughs> due to a hazing Incident, And, of course, you know, you, you can't take hazing lightly. But as far as him being suspended starting tomorrow for two weeks from the program, not two-game suspension. Two but weeks in July. Two weeks in July, which, you know, when you start looking in, at the big picture of things for a hazing incident that could have gone really wrong on campus, and there really being a zero tolerance for that, and for him to take the action of accountability for it, you know, he's going to be on thin ice. All eyes are going to be on Pat Fitzgerald, but he is on unpaid leave for two weeks and suspended two weeks as the head football coach at Northwestern. Now, I think that this, this suspension would have been a little bit more relevant had it been him being suspended for two games or sure. missing practice in August late August to where you're not allowed to, to, to have duties with the team. But this one really, you know, you, you look at hazing at any level uh, and it and it gets addressed. And, of course, Coach Fitzgerald being at Northwestern since 2006. But 
just two weeks. Yeah, kind um, of kind of a nothing headline in terms of it actually affecting the program. He's uh I contend he's one of the better coaches in the country too. I mean that Northwestern team, you know, they have a decent ranked year every every couple of years. Like if it weren't for him, that's that's probably like a Vanderbilt type, like bottom of the power five type program. So I'd be curious to know like if it was a coach who hasn't had any semblance of success, like would the punishment have been more severe? I don't know. But yeah, I mean, a two-week suspension in July, I understand it's unpaid, so that's unfortunate for him, but kind of more like a vacation than a suspension. So I, I, I don't know what the details were of the case. I, all I saw was quote-unquote hazing, uh, whether that's in locker room inside. I, I don't know. But uh, it was just widespread across football players. That's yep. pretty much what we know. And again, Northwestern has created a program to where the players, coaches, and staff go through anti-hazing training with a focus on how to report claims as well. So a two-week suspension for Pat Fitzgerald, the head coach at Northwestern. The 4 o'clock hour of the final drive coming up. Scott Miller talking a little Major League Baseball and looking forward to getting in touch with him. New York Times contributor, Sirius XM Major League Baseball Network radio analyst Scott Miller scheduled to join us next on The Final Drive. It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile. Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome to our number two of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you on this fantastic Friday edition of the final drive. And wanted to go ahead as we prepare for Major League Baseball's All-Star Week on Tuesday. Of course, the Home Run Derby takes place on Monday. Who better to talk to than New York Times contributor and Sirius XM Major League Baseball Network radio analyst Scott Miller makes his debut and joins us this afternoon on the final drive. Scott, how are you doing, my friend? Good, Corey. How are you? I'm absolutely blessed by the best. Thank you for asking. And it's that great time of year for Major League Baseball to where on Sunday you have the Major League Draft. And then, of course, Monday you have Home Run Derby. And then on Tuesday you have the All-Star Game festivities. But it looks like the winner in this is the Texas Rangers. It looks like they're going to have five All-Star starters on Tuesday when the game comes around. Yeah, they've, uh, you know, they and what Atlanta's bringing, I think, eight players, uh, the, you know, and hey, you're having, when you have a good year, you get rewarded both individually and as a team. And Texas is certainly having that. I mean, they've, you know, they started early. Their their bullpen was, was giving up runs big time, but it didn't matter. They were kind of out slugging teams, and then they started to get better pitching, but yeah, you know, things have turned around. I mean, from Bruce Bochy managing the three-time World Series winner to, uh, you know, great hire there. And, 
you know, the emergence of catcher Jonah Heim and several other guys, Corey Seager, uh, you know, back to full health. Um, a lot of good things happening for those Rangers. Well, we know we have Bubba Thompson on the roster for the Rangers, not playing right now, but that's the reason right here in Mobile, Alabama, that a lot of people tune in to see how the Texas Rangers are doing. Yep. And, you know, outside of that, of course, the Atlanta Braves continue to do their thing and have the best overall record in baseball and looking to get some of their better players back in the second half of the season, not as if, you know, an eight-and-a-half game lead over the Miami Marlins is enough. They're looking to extend that here as they have a three-game series getting ready to start before the All-Star weekend begins. Yeah, they're very interesting series against Tampa Bay, too, which, uh, you know, the two best teams in baseball for my money, although Tampa, this is a test this weekend for them because, not only is it a significant test given how good Atlanta is, but Tampa Bay's been romping. They've been clobbering everybody. But this is—they've lost five in a row now, and 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 you know they've still got a sizable lead in the AL East on Baltimore, um, and and then Toronto and the Yankees. But you know the 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 Rays, as good as they are, you know every team's going to have uh, challenges during the year. Losing five in a row is one right now, and. And, uh, you know, I think Glasnow goes tonight and um, uh, Zach Eflin, the veterans, who's having a good year, goes Sunday. And they're going to be challenged by this hot-hitting Braves team. Uh, they've got home runs in 23 consecutive games now. Every time you look up, Matt Olson's putting the ball over the fence. Sean Murphy, the all-star catcher, who is making, you know, first half, he very well might be the most valuable player in the league. Um, really, really good team in Atlanta. Really fun to watch. Talking to Scott Miller, New York Times contributor, Sirius XM, MLB Network radio analyst, talking a little baseball on the final drive. Scott, uh, we've talked about this topic a lot uh, with regards to baseball lately. Is Shohei Otani, and it's unfortunate we're not going to get to see him in the All-Star game, but is he the best baseball player you've ever seen? I think you have to say yes. I mean, and that's no disrespect. There's so many great ones over the years that, you know, I mean, I've been blessed to cover and watch, you know, guys like from Kirby Puckett to Ken Griffey Jr. to uh, Fernando Tatis to Mike Trout and Bryce Harper and on and on and on it goes. Max Scherzer and uh, uh, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds. But nobody's done what Shohei's done. And, and, you know, for a while I was saying, unless you're 100 years old, you haven't seen this. And the reason I was saying that was because the last guy to do anything close to Shohei was Babe Ruth, and he played 100 years ago. But, I mean, I, we're to the point now where Otani is outstripping Babe Ruth. I mean, you know, as great as Ruth was, he, he, he wasn't a dominant starting pitcher and a dominant slugger at the same time in the same season for year after year. So, uh, yeah, it's just phenomenal what Otani's doing. Um, I agree with you. I, you know, he he um, he has that fingernail issue. Uh, that's going to prevent him from pitching in the All Star game next week. It's too bad. Uh, I mean, how about how about one of the greatest moments of this season happened right before opening day during the World Baseball Classic when Otani versus Mike Trout, United States versus Japan, with the World Baseball Classic title on the line, and Otani struck Trout out. I mean, that was. That was tremendous drama. 
and it was a reminder of why it would be great to see those two guys on the October stage, something Angels have not yet been able to do. Well, I will, I will say this too, Scott. It, it kind of rubbed the crystal ball a little bit and, and gave you kind of what Otani could could bring to this particular yep. season. And, and and sometimes you can't follow up on it. But I tell you what, he he showed he showed us the goods then, and has continued to bag and deliver the groceries ever since. And there's been no letdown. Now I will ask you this, kind of moving forward, because here it is five or six months after that classic, when you look at Otani being able to sustain it and, and many people saying, look, this is the best baseball player I've ever seen. How many years in a row now does does he have to sustain it if he's traded away from the Angels no matter what market he's in? Would it be a two- or three-year span or just enjoy it now and see the greatness being a two-way player? Yeah, I think both. First off, enjoy it now because we, we don't know how long it's going to last. And we've seen some unfortunate injuries in this game that have put players out. So that's the first thing. Enjoy it now. But beyond that, yeah, I mean, greatness is built over time in, in baseball. It's not, it's not constructed in a one or two season span. Uh, there are a lot of guys. I mean, you go back to Cleveland in the 1980s, they had an outfielder named Joe Charbonneau, who was just fantastic. And, you know, he flamed out after a year. I mean, you go back to 1976. I was a kid growing up in Michigan back then. Uh, Mark the Bird Fidrich had a fantastic year in 1976. He was a cult hero across the game. But then he blew out his shoulder the next year. Uh, he, he, he was as good a pitcher as there was then. But, um, you know, 76, by 77, he was flamed out. So, you know, the, the longer you can do it in baseball, the more your legend builds. Um, I'm so glad to see Otani having done it now for about three seasons uh, because when he first came over to the U.S., you know, he did it, and uh, but then he, he hurt his elbow toward the end of his first season, had to have Tommy John surgery. Uh, so then there was a question, was he, was he going to be able to pitch again or might the Angels lean on him to just be a hitter? And, you know, that's the kind of thing that flashes through your eyes when you're like, when I say we need to enjoy this right now. Because, you know, if he were to blow the elbow out again, need a second Tommy John surgery, you, you just don't know how long it's going to last. So um, it's great while it's going now, but I'm glad it's been two or three years now where he's been aces on both sides of the ball. And I think the longer he can do that, the more that legend and stature is going to grow. Well, the local legend here or the recent rookie legend of – Ellie De La Cruz and a sensor on the knob of his bat being checked by old school manager Martinez. I think that that's part of mind games that you play. But the way that this young man has showed up for the big show, I think that he has greatness written all over him. And I'm not quite sure. I've seen the comparison of he and Ken Griffey Jr. But I think that he's even faster than what Ken Griffey Jr. was. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I would agree with that. I, I, I mean, Ken Griffey Jr. is an absolute first ballot Hall of Famer. He was great in many, many different aspects. But, um, yeah, De La Cruz, man, he flies. He is just fantastic. He's a great player, but I think he's as speedy as anybody maybe that I've seen. And it's been fun. The Reds are 21-6 and six in their last 27 games since he's joined them. 
Uh, they, they certainly kind of got a resurrection going in Cincinnati right now. Uh, a couple other rookies, Matt McClain at shortstop, Spencer Steer, the Abbott kid that's a starting pitcher. Um, you know, it's a, the National League Central's a little bit down this year, too. So that division is there for Cincinnati to win. And it w- it's always fun to see when, uh, you know, the Reds, I mean, look, they were the first major league, first professional baseball team ever in the late 1800s. It's always fun to see when it's such a great baseball area. And when they're winning, it, it just seems like all is, is better within the game. Well, I will say this, you know, you're up there and you have the ability in New York to cover the Mets and the Mets being 41 and 46 this season, nowhere near what 1969 brought with the Miracle Mets. And of course, the Miracle Mets are are close here to Mobile, Alabama because of Cleon Jones and Amos Otis and of course, Tommy Agee all being from lower Alabama the Miracle Mets in 69, do, do, the, do those names still get brought up in New York baseball lore, or are they kind of forgot about? Because Cleon Jones is doing wonderful and outstanding things for his Africatown community right here in Mobile, Alabama, and he always mentions New York and wears that, that Mets cap with great pride. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I, I'm going to give you a couple different answers here. Uh, number one, little known secret, though I write for the New York Times, I'm based out west in San Diego. Um, I am kind of their West Coast baseball guy. But that's funny what you just said, because that said, the Mets are in San Diego tonight. I'm actually at Petco Park right now. I'm about to cover the Mets this weekend against the Padres. So I, I'm, even though I'm out west, I'm still very involved in the Mets, the New York baseball scene. And from that perspective, absolutely, those names, those 69 Miracle Mets always resonate. You know, you bring up Cleon Jones' name, Tommy Agee's name, all of it. Uh, you know, bring a smile to people's face. Um, you know, Gil Hodges going into the Hall of Fame uh, last year or, or recently, uh, the manager of that 69 Mets team. That's a special, special group. And you know, Cleon Jones specifically, what a year he had, what a career. Uh, I mean, that whole incident in the World Series where the, he got hit with a pitch, they, the, the umpires didn't rule it a hit batter. Turned out the ball had his black shoe polish on the ball, uh, and, and, and they awarded him first base. I think that was him, right, not Tommy Agee. Um, and Jones, that was a great moment. And, uh, you know, Cleon Jones will always, always be viewed as, as a uh, integral part of one of the great baseball stories ever in New York. Well, I will ask you a, a couple of questions and let you go ahead and get on uh, to, to your game this evening. You know, will umpiring, and I know it's been criticized this season for some horrific calls that even under replay has still gotten wrong. And and sometimes it's in back-to-back days and sometimes it's with the same umpire that we're speaking of. But do you feel that the umpires will be replaced by some type of robotics or artificial intelligence here moving forward? They're not going to be replaced. Part of what they do may be replaced. I do think 
it's going to be the automated strike zone. It's called the ABS system, the automated ball and strike system, ABS. Um, I do think the technology is being tweaked right now. It's not quite there, but I think within the next few years, uh, we will probably see some kind of computerized mechanism where there'll still be a home plate umpire, but the ball strike calls as the ball goes over the plate will be clocked by a, a automated system, and, and that's how balls and strikes will be called. Um, you know, I'm mixed on that. I hate to take the human element out of the game. Um, uh, I mean, I, we've kind of done that with this replay right now. Um, you know, the, the, the human element of the managers going out to argue with the umpires. You know, we used to watch with Earl Weaver and Sparky Anderson and Bobby Cox. You know, a lot of those moments are sucked out of the game now because, um, you know, it's a replay. I mean, a close call at the base instead of the big argument that fans used to love and it was part of the fabric of the game. Now it's just like, well, time out. Let's just review the replay and then we'll determine if he's safe or out. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously you still get some some arguments here and there, but not not like the old days. So, you know, digitally, the, the, the digital revolution has sucked a lot of the soul out of the game. I think it will again a little bit more when when uh, we do go to the automated ball strike system. Balls. But, you know, that said, there'll be some things, uh, uh, you know, maybe maybe we can at that point get to a, a postseason uh without all the television viewers taking to social media to rip the umpires. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you there. And, Scott, last question for you here on the final drive. Try to get your crystal ball prediction on who do you think is going to wind up in the October Classic in the World Series? Who do you see? You know, uh, right now as we stand, I'm going to say this series Atlanta-Tampa Bay this weekend is going to be preview. I, I think those are the two best teams going. Uh, Texas has got a chance, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, Baltimore could be a surprise team, uh, but I, I really like Atlanta and Tampa Bay. I think uh, I think if I had to rank them right now in power rankings, I'd go Braves number one. Um, the only the biggest thing that worries me about Tampa Bay is they don't let their starting pitchers go too deep into the games. They're, they're, they they do analytics. They don't want their starters facing most of them facing a uh, opposing lineup a third time. But what that means is the bullpen works more, more innings. So what worries me about Tampa Bay is whether they're still going to have a strong bullpen in October or whether the guy, the bullpen's going to be a little bit gassed from workload during the season. I think that's the Achilles heel to Tampa Bay. But as we stand right now, it's hard not to like Tampa Bay and Atlanta. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, Mobile, Alabama, being home of Hank Aaron and so many other greats, you just made a lot of Atlanta Braves fans very happy and a lot of Hank Aaron fans a lot, of, a, a whole lot of happy as well. And, you know, we, we were pleased to, to be joined by you this afternoon on the final drive. How can people follow all of your great Major League Baseball coverage? Um, usually I'm on Twitter at Scott Miller BBL, like baseball, at Scott Miller BBL. Um, you know, you can go to the New York Times uh, website. Uh, all my baseball coverage is there. I usually tweet out when I do cover it at that Twitter address, Twitter handle that I just told you. So uh, that's that. And uh, Hank Aaron, we still miss him today. I had a beautiful conversation with Brian Snitker earlier this year. 
uh, about his friendship with Hank Aaron and uh, Hank's presence is still felt today by many, many people. And I'll give you one more mobile before I go. Based, on, I live here in the San Diego area. Uh, the beloved old Padre, Jake Peavy, also yeah. died of Mobile. And Jake's going to be inducted into the Padres Hall of Fame at the end of this month. So I love Jake Peavy. In fact, I went to Mobile, did a story on him a few years back for Bleacher Report. You can Google that one. Um, but, yeah, Hank Aaron, Peavy, Cleon Jones, Mobile, Alabama, love it all. Appreciate you so much, Scott. Look forward to listening to your Sirius XM Major League Baseball Network radio analysis, and we will talk to you again very soon. All right, Corey, take care. Man. All right, Scott Miller joining us this afternoon here on the final drive. And, you know, again, with All-Star Weekend approaching Major League Baseball, the deep, deep roots of baseball here in Mobile, second to none, really. I know football capital without question but baseball also one of those sports to where mobile has great roots the final drive will be right back this is george Pada, bench coach of the houston astros and you're listening to wnft Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And, of course, want to thank Scott Miller for jumping on with us to talk Major League Baseball and all of the wonderful players that are deeply rooted from right here and born in Mobile, Alabama. And Tampa Bay versus Atlanta. That will be a pretty interesting World Series if you're able to to see that as far as Tampa Bay getting out to that undefeated start and the Braves hopefully finishing the season the way that they've started it, Bronner. I think that if you see Tampa Bay versus Atlanta, you can truly say, all right, well, these were the best two teams in the first half of the season that finished up strong if that's how October rolls around. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think the the Braves are certainly – firmly the best team in the National League but you know oftentimes that doesn't necessarily matter we have 162 games I mean look at the Dodgers last year you got eliminated I believe in the divisional round so I like it matters obviously but it's a uh, it's a long season and you can have a really great season for it not to matter oh yeah very it quickly can end in the short. Playoffs. yeah it, it can end real short you just sit there and scratch your head and say well why why did I win over 100 games and all of a sudden now my team is sitting at home and we're watching someone else play for a world championship. But on in baseball, you know, you always have to have your head on a swivel. And I know night before last at the Baltimore Orioles, New York Yankees game, you had a cameraman sitting on yeah. the first baseline side got who smoked. got hit with an errant throw and wound up having an orbital fracture. And that's one of the most scariest moments that you'll be able to see because as he's sitting behind that camera, he can't imagine or even think that the baseball is going to go over the first baseman's head and him being so focused on that camera, not having an opportunity to move, duck, and dodge, catches a baseball probably traveling over 65 or 70 miles an hour. 
Yeah, it was, uh, you know, the fact that it was only in orbital fractures, you know, which is not good, make no mistake. Uh, you know, based on what it looked like during the broadcast, I mean, they had to stop the game, I believe. So, uh, you know, you're happy it, it wasn't worse than that because it certainly could have been. It was a very, very scary moment. But, yeah, I mean, cameraman, cameraman in, uh, in danger, too. You know, keep your head on a swivel. You, you definitely have to keep your head on a swivel. And, you know, keeping your head on a swivel is, has been Skip Bayless, not knowing whether mm. he's coming or going. And, you know, the news that was broken that Skip Bayless – we know about the layoffs at ESPN, but Skip Bayless having to step off of the air for two months because can't find anybody who basically wants to to work with him or debate him. He wants Charles Barkley. He was begging. To come in. He was like openly begging Charles Barkley to come in, which like I I guess would be entertaining. What does Charles Barkley gain from that? Nothing. It seems like that would be uh, that would stand to benefit skip bayless more than it would charles barkley uh yeah i mean poor skip i guess and i'm not like i'm not a big fan of shannon i mean i i couldn't watch that show frankly i I mean that 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 show was unwatchable because i hate skip and i hate shannon i i can't stand either of them frankly but you know skip has uh that's a you understand why shannon left i i have to assume it's just you know the the toll of working with skip bayless every day has to eventually wear you down to the point where like you know what man this this isn't worth it i'm gonna go do something else so you know for for skip you know now now you haven't been able to find anyone i was like what why do you think that is you know I mean, the, you ran your course with Stephen A. And whether I mean, when that ended, I don't know if that was a mutual thing, if that was a skip just wanted to go to Fox thing. I mean, if you I heard think the money was talking, I I'm think sure the money it was. was and if you hear Stephen A. talk about it now, uh, you know, Stephen A. probably says it's like it was for the best. Like I have other opportunities now as a result of that. You know, I'm the executive producer of First Take, yada yada, all, all this kind of stuff. You know, opened up all kinds of doors for Stephen A. But yeah, Skip. Uh, I I wouldn't. I mean, would you want to sit across the desk from Skip Bayless every day? I know I wouldn't. So, I mean, I'm not necessarily a Cowboys fan. Yeah, and I know you know Skip really is, and I know he you know he loves you know the fact that he he pokes fun at certain athletes more than others because you always have that team that you can't stand. Now, I know he loves. Michael Jordan, because he's always wearing his J's on set with everything he does, and you know, Little Wayne is 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 his partner because he, Little Wayne and him, were at each other's crib the other day. But but to to not to be able to find a host to sit and debate him, and I I, I find that pretty interesting because normally what you say, well, all right, we'll well, someone will do it eventually. Basis, but to to be off the air for two months. That's what I found interesting as far as not being able to find somebody on a daily basis to guest host. Because, you know, on first take, you, you when Stephen A is out, okay, you'll have J.J. Reddick to sit in or Jason Williams to sit in. You'll have those other guest hosts that are nationally known and, and opinions are debatable and respected. But to step away, you know, I would love to see Charles and Skip probably for a day or for a subject, but as far as being a regular co-host, no, I don't I, I couldn't see that that marriage lasting for too long at all. 
And I think that Skip was just in the situation where Shannon, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Shannon Sharp winds up on ESPN in some shape, form, or fashion, even if it's when with Stephen A. on first take. Uh, and, and that would be a, 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 a <laughs> that'd be something, man. That, that'd be something. And, I, and, all and the shuffling around is too much for me to keep up with. You know, just listen to our show. That, that's where you can get your sports in the afternoons media. without question. The final drive it where is where it's at, and we'll be right back on the other side of this break. We'll talk to Gus Smith, Future Ones, as again, Future Ones is the AHSAA official corporate sponsor. We'll we'll talk with Gus Smith right after this break. My name is Robert Brazil. I'm from the class of 2018 Pro Football Hall of Fame. You're listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. That music means Future Ones is in the building. Gus Smith joining us this afternoon. Gus, hope all is well, my brother. Everything is good, Corey. Appreciate y'all having us on again, man. Uh, it's my pleasure. And I tell you, you know, you being the head football coach at Gordo, it's that time of year. June runs into July, but June was a big-time month for a lot of seven-on-sevens. And Future Ones was able to go ahead and, and give back to a lot of the schools, especially when you look at sponsoring a seven-on-seven tournament and being able to give the winner of the seven-on-seven tournament that Future Ones was involved in a little a little bonus for participating in that. Yeah, it was pretty cool to show up to a seven-on-seven and, you know, everybody out there is wearing Future Ones gear and, you know, it's just a testament to how hard we've worked over the past six years, Trent and our whole staff and, you know, just how much we've grown and, uh, you know, just look across that field and there's, you know, like I said, everybody was wearing Future Ones gear and it was just a bunch of happy people out there and everybody looked good. We, uh, you know, and, we, you know, we got to give away the $2,000 cash prize to Ramsey. Uh, I think they were probably the favorite going into it anyways. It was cool seeing that, you know, last year's state champions wearing Future Ones gear already and, um, you know, it's just a, it's just a cool thing, man. And it, it, Every day amazes me how, uh, you know, how fast the brand's grown in Alabama. Absolutely. And whether it's seven-on-seven spring competition gear, whether it's summer gear, and you have also now preparing for middle school football, high school football, we're a month and a half away from toe to leather. So you guys have great specials that are going on. And, of course, you know, you have to have – equipment and of course with that equipment you guys have decals for helmets uh, you, you have it all and i think that that's part of a testament to where you can service any need of any program whether it's band whether it's cheerleading whether it's football volleyball it doesn't matter you guys come equipped with everything that's right. And if, if you if you check out our website, uh, www.futureones.com, we try to post some specials on there. Uh, you know, we try to target um, certain things sometimes to give uh, you know people options of you know things we have available. Like right now, we're doing a bunch with Biger High School and Ken Wind, you know Kim Windham and those guys over there uh, with cheerleading. So 
we you know we've done a lot you know last year at this time we weren't doing much cheerleading stuff and now it's kind of exploded with her help a little bit and um you know we're doing stuff with bob baumhauer some uh t-shirts for their restaurant Corey, you hooked us up with so um you know the branch is growing and we're just in all categories right now really uh there's really nothing we can't do we, we sold tvs before so we can pretty much sell it all if you need it uh you know and you're involved with it whatever program it doesn't have to be sports i mean we're doing monogramming and embroidery and screen printing you know it's all done right there in mobile also so we're local and um you know we're trying to service the people of mobile and that's what you love and being a partner with the ahsaa i think is huge as well and i know here at wnsp we appreciate you because as we're getting ready to to travel to sec media days and be on that national scene and scale as of course we'll be covering the national back-to-back national champions georgia bulldogs along with alabama and auburn and in between we love to do so representing not only future ones but wnsp and you guys have created tremendous swag for that but it, it, again you mentioned it's not just athletic apparel if you have a a church group and you're getting ready and you need t-shirts for a church function or you're getting ready for back to school and you need teachers with t-shirts for back to school shirt spirit days future ones can provide that and more and Gus, tell everyone how people can go ahead and, and reach out not only to the website, but an 800 number as well. Yeah, like I said, if you're if you're local in Mobile, we're out there on Schillinger's Road, um, close to Moffitt. We just opened up our new uh, retail side of it out there. So if you just need something for the day, uh, you know, belt, socks, stop by and see us. Or uh, if you want to come design a uniform or Whatever you may need, we have a great staff there. Uh, man, we're blessed to have a great staff. Um, so if you're local in Mobile, but if you're not, uh, you can visit it at www.futureone.com or you can call us at 877-583-0747. Um, we kind of pride ourselves. So every time that phone rings, it doesn't matter what time of day it is, someone's going to answer it. And, you know, those are the things we kind of pride ourselves on is – it's good quality products uh, at a reasonable time and good customer service. We love to hear that. And, Gus, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us here this afternoon on the final drive and look forward to talking to you again real soon. Yeah, thanks, Gordon. Appreciate You're the work welcome. you do, man. My pleasure. Future Ones Team Sales, 877 877- Five eight three zero seven four seven is how you can reach out to Future Ones, or you can go to sales at futureones.com. That's sales with an S at Future Ones. The number one with an S dot com is how you can get in touch with Future Ones. And you know, Bronner, I, I know that there are some unfortunate things that that have gone on in regards to. Nikki McCray Pinson, she was a 1996 and 2000 Olympic gold medalist for women's basketball, a three-time WNBA All-Star, coached at Old Dominion, and as a matter of fact, one of our local players from Davidson High School, Maggie Robinson, just finished up her transfer season at South Alabama. She was recruited by Nikki McCray Pinson, and Nikki McCray passed away from breast cancer today. Again, she was a national championship assistant coach at South Carolina in 2017, but played at Tennessee for Pat Summit, 
made it to the national championship game but never won it. But it's one of those gone too soon, breast cancer, took her life away. But, she, you know, Nikki McCray Pinson definitely lived life with a smile on her face, and you hate to hear stories like that. Yeah, yeah, you always, uh, you always hate to have to report on something like that, but, you know, sounds like she lived a very fulfilled life. Without question, and you know the the NFL players live a fulfilled life when they have an opportunity to make it, and it starts at the quarterback position. And and Bronner, you know, I, I want to. Th there's pretty much tiers to, to to quarterback or running back or wide receiver at any position, and and one of those that I want to spotlight and kind of look at and going into this break. Uh, before we get into this break is overall outside of Patrick Mahomes because mm. you, when you think quarterback in the NFL you you you, you first think Pat Mahomes but when you I'm glad when you start we can, looking I'm glad we can get that out of the way that's just, easy that's easy you that's, want you want to get into the whole thing on the other side yeah we can definitely nah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get into it on the other side of this break we'll break it down in to tears and and where you're ranking the NFL quarterback says they're about three weeks away or less from getting practice started out mandatory practices coming up for NFL players and we'll talk quarterbacks on the other side of this break here on the final drive hey this is Jimmy Riffle from Gator Boys and you're listening to WNSP on 105.5 Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And before we went to the break, we were talking about the NFL quarterback and, and breaking it down to Patrick Mahomes. To me, the, the best quarterback in the NFL. Of course, anytime you're a Super Bowl champion and you're able to do some of the magnificent things he is able to do and the leadership ability he shows. Now, now when you say, all right, we'll, we'll have probably four tiers we'll, we'll start at the top tier of Mahomes being easily number one Michael Bronner who, who is in your top tier the next three best quarterbacks to you in the NFL from a starting standpoint the next three after Mahomes I think you gotta put Burrow two right now you know and I think Allen was like right there I think he turned the ball over too much this year, and it's hard to argue Allen after he gets bludgeoned by Burrow in the playoffs this year. You know, Burrow was phenomenal, and yeah, I, I think you kind of just have to say Burrow too for now. I do think Allen is more talented than Burrow, just in terms of you know natural God-given arm strength and you know ability. Just, I mean, look at the guy throw a football; it, it's uh, it's astounding. But he does he does have turnover issues. He's got to clean up. We'll see what happens with this Stephon Diggs mess that hasn't really worked itself out quite yet. And I think if if it doesn't, the Bills and Josh Allen are in quite a bit of trouble. But yeah, I'll <laughs> say I'll say Burrow two for now. I guess I guess Allen three. All and right. It, so so I'm I, I have to I have to go Jalen Hurts because. Uh, you're looking at what he was able to accomplish. And you don't give a man a $255 million contract and for him to be the richest player ever in the history of the NFL only for one week. Yeah. 
And I know that every time someone gets paid, you set the bar a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Lamar was looking around the corner saying, oh, okay, yeah, I'm negotiating my own contract, but this is what Jalen Hurts got paid. And I know that every single year you, you cycle in at a new number as far as from a rookie standpoint, and that's why that second contract is so also so important. But Jalen Hurts, to me, is on that tier really above Burrow and mm. above Allen. That's a heart. That's a, like so the second best quarterback in the league. That's a tough case to make. Already. You had the two best quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. How can you argue that? It's a fact. He was phenomenal in the Super Bowl. My thing, with, my, thing with, my thing with Hurts, and I think, you know, he's right on the fringe of the top five, and this yeah. isn't to tear down Hurts in any way, shape, or form. My, my thing with Hurts and why I hesitate to put him in that, like, top three category yet, and this is yet, uh, you know, if he has another year, like, he's been elite, quote-unquote, for one year, and with, not arguably, with the best roster in football, with some of the best weapons in football, with the best offensive line in football. And again, this is not to tear down Jalen Hurts. I think he's phenomenal. I think he's probably right in that top five, if not just outside, you know, whatever, whatever, wherever you want to put him. Five-ish. I just, I can't put him that high yet. Right, right, I mean, above Burrow and Allen. I mean, these are guys that have been elite for multiple seasons now. Let me see, let me see more of it from Hurts. Yeah, he just got the, con and I'm not saying he didn't deserve the contract or anything like, yeah, heck, financially, it's a smart move from the Eagles. He's only, you know, these contracts are only going to Go up more, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, and if he has another elite season, you know, he's him himself is only going to be worth more. So, yeah, I I don't uh, I can't put him up there just yet. I do think he has the potential to rise to that. I I just after one elite season on the best roster in the league with the best defense in the league too. Again, like, yes, he got to a Super Bowl, and Josh Allen can't say he's been to a Super Bowl, but that being said, like, I don't think Josh Allen has had the roster that Jalen Hurts had this season. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, I mean, with the best offensive line in football, with the best defense in football. I mean, again, no one's arguing that Mahomes is the best. Like, yeah, Mahomes that, that's is easy. Like, I mean, that's, that's know, a no-brainer. But we to don't me, even, yeah. last year, the two best quarterbacks, this is based not on career. This yeah. is based on leaving the 20 22 football season to me the best two quarterbacks are Mahomes and, and that's to me undisputable and Jalen Hurts and I think that yes we all want to see more I think the Eagles and Jalen Chiefs Hurts. were the two best teams in football for sure now the numbers all right Burrow 35 touchdowns 12 interceptions and Hurts through 22 touchdowns and six interceptions. I think Hurts quelled some doubters in the Super Bowl, too. I mean, he was, make no mistake, oh, he, he was, was phenomenal. He was locked in. in the Super Bowl. He, he is locked in. And so, I mean, when, when you're locked in the way that he was and is, he, he, when you start looking at who were you going to vote the most valuable player in the NFL last year, all right? To me, it was Mahomes or it was, you, you, you got Jalen Hurts. You just had to look at those two saying, okay, these are, are my two, and it just so happens both of them do play the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, just the reality of that it, award. It, but. It, it, but, I mean, and, you know, the anomaly is, 
uh, you know, you get someone like a J.J. Watt who, who puts up stupid defensive numbers and, and is in the quarterback's face every time he drops back. Uh, but you, you, you come in and you look at both of them come in in 2020, 21, and 22. And as far as from an overall standpoint, yeah, yeah. J- Joku, from a career standpoint, has probably had a better – numbers game than, than what Jalen has had. Now, uh, I, I think that from a financial uh, standpoint, yeah. you know, again, being the highest played person in the league or the highest paid player in the league, uh, you, you, you really have to, Sean says, just because he got paid doesn't make him second best. Well, I know that he wasn't second best financially, and you're not going to spit out that type of money if you don't think the value is there. Now, again, it goes back to to Kelsey, right? He, he says he can be the highest paid tight end in the league and one of the highest paid players in the league too, but he's willing to, to sacrifice some of that money. So I, I don't think that you definitely are going to have to show people the money, right, especially when you're looking at your first contract because you always want to secure the bag under that first contract. And, and when you are blessed – coming in to that second renewal, that's when you can lay back and say, look, I, I, I got a boo coodle, but if I have an opportunity, Tom Brady had no reason to be selfish. Sure. I mean, he, he could give away as much money throughout the cap as he wanted to, to, to help his other teammates out. And that's part of what I love about this tier of quarterbacks. Well, but It'll be interesting to revisit this a year down the line. Because I, I, like I said, I do believe Hurts can rise into that top three just for now i'm gonna put burrow allen maybe herbert you know and we'll talk we'll talk a little bit more about it in the five o'clock hour sure. we'll, we'll go and talk about your second and third tier type quarterbacks and, and why you feel they're that way you're listening to the final drive here on wnsp 105.5 Corey LeBounty and michael brauner bringing you our number three coming up Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome to hour number three of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you this Friday afternoon. Want to thank everyone for having us tuned in. Of course, you can correspond with us on the WNSP app or give us a call at 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us. And of course, we were talking before we went to break about the 
upcoming NFL season and the quarterback tiers, and which we have, and we all know that Patrick Mahomes, without question, the best quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, Bronner said that Burrow and Allen were right there in his in his top tier. And, you know, Jalen Hurts, he, he kind of squeezed him in there. And I had heard For the record, Mahomes is on on his own tier. Uh, uh, hey, look. So second no, tier, if you want to. There, there, there is Mahomes that will continue to, to, to make people watch SportsCenter, to make people tune in to Kansas City just to see the type of magic that he's going to perform. But, yeah, he, he's definitely elite in what he's achieved so far. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of season the Chiefs can continue to put together this year as they'll be the defending world champions. Again, 14-3. and three. Three teams found a way to to get at Patrick Mahomes. And, of course, we've all seen him suck it up and play through the ankle problems and the ankle injuries that he's had. But if he has those injuries again or it's, it's any worse, then we'll see where the Kansas City Chiefs do turn. But when you when you also look at you, – you're a believer in Justin Herbert. You, you like Justin Herbert, and, and I think that when you look at – the Los Angeles Chargers record 10 and 7 a year ago i think that he and Trevor Lawrence both going toe to toe there mm. i think that that gave you a preview of what you can look at for the next cycle of quarterbacks grabbing the bag yeah i'm a huge 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 believer in Trevor Lawrence as well uh can't for the same reason as hurts can't really put him in that top top category just yet but i do very much believe he's going to emerge into that top category it's funny trevor lawrence has found himself as a uh, a guy who i detested in college a guy i couldn't stand you know the fact that he bludgeoned alabama at a national championship probably didn't didn't help things but uh a guy i found myself as a really big fan of in, in the nfl i love watching him play you know i think he's your prototypical quarterback he's got a huge arm he moves very well as well you know he's like six foot five uh i, I love watching trevor lawrence play football i think he's going to continue only to get better i think hiring doug peterson was perfect for him obviously like for for him i kind of uh throw throw out that rookie year i think he was in probably the worst coaching situation in nfl history you could argue urban meyer was that bad and uh and then you bring in doug peterson and well you make the playoffs for, for, as the jacksonville jaguars and yes you do win the game you were down 27 nothing in a game trevor lawrence threw four picks and two of them were his fault but uh yeah i mean i i couldn't be higher on the guy uh justin herbert i think has been elite for two years now so I put him kind of firmly in that top five, but we'll see. He's got he's got to uh, he's got to make some noise as well. Well, I, I know that when you look at blowing a twenty-seven to nothing lead, right, and you find a way to to have that epic collapse the way that we saw in the playoffs with the Chargers, I think that's going to make Herbert a better quarterback. It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna fuel him a little bit, and at least Urban Meyer drafted trevor lawrence was able <laughs> well there wasn't a choice at the time you remember how you know he I mean, was oh like yeah, the it's firm, a choice he, it's no a, it's a choice there, there was not there the was system. no one else that was remotely being considered for that was like the, you one can of buck the, the system there there was one of the last that was 
uh, on the last few drafts where we, you know, quote unquote, haven't known who was going to be the mm-hmm. number one pick, I mean, we knew for a year Trevor Lawrence was going to be the number one pick. There was no debate on that one. I think I think you can buck the system, man. And again, you have one person making that decision. As evident as when you see Kevin Costner make an entire movie about it, Bronner, you you just never know. You're 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 picking or having an opportunity to pick number one for a reason. You ever seen that movie? Oh, have I seen it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What do you think of that movie? I, well, hey, I, I, I think it's accurate. I think it's accurate. <laughs> I, I, do I think don't it's think accurate. it's accurate. I think it's entertaining. So you don't think the decisions behind closed doors are accurate there? Well, I think there are decisions that are made behind closed doors. I right. I don't think uh, I don't think Kevin Costner would have been able to get all his first round picks back and David Putney at the end just because he wanted him. Now now I will say that 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 is your Hollywood fairy tale ending. Yeah. But but there is a lot of accuracy within that. I'll movie. tell you I'll tell you what I'll, I'll I'll make a contention about the movie draft day. If there weren't if they didn't pay whatever amount of money they paid to have like real NFL logos in it and like a bunch of like real people like Chris Berman and whoever like you know if it didn't feel real like if it wasn't based around the Cleveland Browns and like real That's NFL accurate. teams That's it, it, it would have been the worst movie ever but made if it was like if it was this like pseudo league it, 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 it probably would have been the worst movie ever but, but made. here's my thing. Uh, and Sean says, I know Corey didn't just say draft day is accurate. Well, uh, as far as the Cleveland Browns being on the clock, yeah, it's accurate. How, how, how great how the draft have the Cleveland Browns made? I mean, you, you look at certain people that you want to say, all right, well, we're going to base this movie upon the life of, right? It, upon the life of the Cleveland Browns, yeah, of course you you, you see the Browns and the, the horrible decisions that they make. And in no real world has any team gotten back all their draft picks, okay? So that part is, is of course, total fabrication and, and, and great for Hollywood scripts. Nobody went to, uh, to Bo Callahan's birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that, I mean, but when you when you look at the behind the scenes action that that actually go on and, and the when you sit and look at war rooms on draft day there's a lot of disagreements that are going sure. on within those war rooms and you probably have half the room that that wants you to go grab one one player and you have half of the room that wants you to go grab another player and, and that's why you have over 25 or 30 scouts per, per organization, and it's not based on one person's opinion. Now, as far as getting back to, to what's what's at, at hand in regards to our tier of, of quarterbacks, you, you, you can't you can't short sight Lamar Jackson. You you have to look and say, all right, Lamar Jackson hmm. is what Jalen Hurts' blueprint was. And it was just a matter of him securing the bag. And in that, I think that that's what has happened as far as looking at Lamar and Jalen. Now, as far as Trevor Lawrence, I, I think that his growth as a quarterback has been tremendous. That's what you want to see out of a number one draft pick to where if you don't come into the league and, and set the world on fire, right? You have an opportunity to in year two and three and four to show that type of progression because that's what you've seen out of Daniel Jones as well. But as far as Aaron Rodgers making his It's tough to evaluate. I, I, 
I can't I can't evaluate Aaron Rodgers until I see what he's able to do with the Jets, period. Now, if you want to say what he did or did not do for the Packers, I think that that's that's a whole different story. And well, Tua Tungavailoa, we know that if he's healthy, he showed you through the first four games of the NFL season where oh he boy. can he can take his game. Here but we I'm not, go. I'm not I'm not willing to say that Tua Here is a better go. quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. Spew some Tua nonsense. No, I, I I love Tua, and I think that when you look across where people are predicting the Dolphins to finish and be, it, it's not. You take two out of that equation, and you take the Dolphins out of that equation. So, as far as my tier of quarterback, I didn't say teams. We're, talk, we're talking about quarterbacks, all right? So, as far as from a quarterback standpoint. I knew Tua was going to come up at some point. He has to. I mean, Tua, are you taking Tua or Daniel Jones? Who are you taking, Tua or Ooh. Daniel Jones? Mm. Man, talk about two opposite situations in terms of personnel. You got Daniel Jones throwing to Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton, and you got Tua throwing to Jalen Waddle. And T- I don't know, Matt, because I don't think Daniel Jones is very good either, but I think I lean more towards Daniel Jones in that scenario. Like, not by much, though. That's close. That is a legitimately difficult question to answer. Uh, I mean, Daniel Jones runs and doesn't get hurt, so, you know. I guess Daniel Jones, but you know I'm not particularly high on either of them. As for Aaron Rodgers, obviously coming off a rough year and yeah, transitioning to the Jets, we'll see how it works out. We're still talking about a guy who's won two of the last three MVPs. Yeah, so. that's why you can't you can't take any. I want to see him perform under the bright lights of New York because he's shown me what he can do in historic Green Bay. We know the legend that he's become and the legend that he created in Green Bay, but. I, I just I like to to see Daniel Jones and Tua Tungabalo. I, I think they're they're equal um, as far as Daniel Jones has had a phenomenal rookie season. You you look at him twenty four and twelve entering the NFL and then kind of sputtering his second year having that sophomore jinx hit him and then struggling his third year but turning it around last year for the Giants. I don't think the Giants the addition paid of Brian him. Dable certainly helped it, that. Oh, it, absolutely it helped. But I, I don't think the Giants just gave him all that money just because he's Daniel Jones uh, because and based it, his salary on what he did his rookie year where he threw for over 3,000 yards because you go from throwing 3,000 yards in your rookie year to throwing again over 3,000 yards in your fourth year, that's where you, you've you shown to, to grow. And, again, Tua just has to find a way to stay on the field. Now, Russell Wilson, mm. if you start looking at the veteran in, in Russell Wilson, I, I think that he and Stafford and Deshaun Watson, I think Watson, even though he collected the super bag, right, he collected all the cash. Watson's hard to evaluate, too. Is it because of where he is, or you saw what he was able to do in Houston? Well, let's talk about Watson for a second. And Again, let's talk about Watson, the football player. I don't think Watson, the person, is any of our favorite persons. We're talking about what he's doing in Uh, between the four four lines. So say what you will about him. But in Houston, the guy was a top-five quarterback. You know, he, he was pretty damn phenomenal. 
And then you go two years without playing football, including, you know, the first 11 games of last season. And you come back, and boy, like, shocking. You look rusty, and you look pretty bad. I, I mean, I think to expect Watson to come back into the in, – what did he come back week 12 or 13 last year? To expect them to look like an elite quarterback again was kind of a realistic expe- – or a ridiculous expectation, rather. Uh, so Watson certainly has some questions to answer this year. We'll like he, he obviously he's got to look a heck of a lot better than he did uh, in the last in the only seven games or whatever the number was he played last year. Uh, that being said, the last time he played a full season, you know, two and a half years ago in Houston, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and that's not really even up for debate. He was phenomenal uh, as the full time starter in Houston, and then you know the two years of nonsense that occurred occurred. And we haven't really gotten a good look at him since. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty high on Watson, the quarterback. If he can return to form, we'll see what happens. You know, that that certainly adds another layer to the tier conversation. Because, again, he was, you know, he was going toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. Is Watson on the same tier right now as Russell Wilson? Uh, you can, kind, of, kind of similar. Like, they both have a lot to prove this year. And, you know... Watson has more time to prove it, at least. I mean, they both got big contracts. Because Russell Wilson, if Russell Wilson has a bad year this year, mm, that's probably pretty much it for him. You have to assume the Broncos are going to figure out a way to move on from him. I think he's going to improve. I think Sean Payton's going to at least figure it out somewhat. Because I, I don't think Russell Wilson is done. But, I mean, he was he was bad. Yeah, I mean, but that whole team was a mess. Hackett was a disaster. and So if, if that's the case, where does Justin Fields fit? Mm. Because the Chicago Bears, what have they done to help him become better? Yeah, that's and, another. And, and uh, to protect him. That's so, another jury still out on that one. So do we do we even know how good of a quarterback Justin Fields can be or is a change of scenery needed to see what team fits or what system fits his style? Well, the Bears had the number one overall pick and had the chance, to, you know, if they wanted Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, they could have taken another quarterback if they wanted to. They elected to trade the pick and bring in D.J. Moore. So, you know, they're in on Justin Fields, at least uh, for the time being. Uh, they, if they wanted to upgrade, or if you want to use that word, or change a quarterback, they, they certainly could have, and they chose not to. So, yeah, I mean, it's only been two years for him, really a year and a half. We'll see what happens. Uh I'm not particularly high on him. I, I don't think he's a great thrower of the football, uh, and the numbers would indicate that as well. Like his big-time throw percentage, all, all these advanced stats really point to him being a, a pretty terrible passer of the ball. But again, that's he's also been on a roster that is near the bottom of the league, and he hasn't been protected. And So, you know, I'm, I'm certainly willing to give him one more year, and I think DJ Moore helps. But Well, here's one that you, 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 you know what you're getting. Dak Prescott. So Dak talk about Prescott, a guy you know what you're getting. You yeah. know what you're getting with Dak, and I, you know he he's bounced back from his major injury and found a way to keep the Cowboys in contention, and that's credit to him because that's something I I didn't think would be possible week after week. You're like, okay, when are the Cowboys going to fall flat on their face and stay there? Well, they wait till the playoffs to do that. Okay, mm. twelve and five, the Cowboys, Jared Goff, Geno Smith. And, and to me, Derek Carr as well. Those three guys, a lot of question marks as well. Yeah, it kind of gets bunched up at that point once you get to, uh, you know, the, the Jared Goffs, Geno Smiths, 
of the world. That kind of tier. You, you throw Kirk Cousins in that tier too. I think you know, and I'm not no fan of Kirk Cousins. I actually kind of hate Kirk Cousins, but uh, I think he gets a worse rap than he deserves. Like he's, he's right, solid. He's right on that fringe top ten. Like he is, uh, and people don't want to hear that. But he, you know, the numbers indicate it. Yeah. Uh, and he absolutely. And the Vikings were beyond fraud fraudulent last year they were a team with the i think the worst point differential in nfl history for the amount of games that they won but uh and obviously lose to a not great giants team in the first round of the playoffs but yeah kirk cousins whether you want to hear it or not like is a top 10 quarterback like right in that dak range right in that i think he's better than Derek carr uh but you know that 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 tier gets real bunched up. It's kind of a take your pick once you get to like the Dax, the Kirk Cousins, the Je- I mean Jared Goff was pretty damn phenomenal last year for Detroit. Yeah. So it, it, it's uh, you know there's definitely a significant drop off once we get to this portion of the conversation, but I think it's it's almost a take your pick at that point. Well, I, I you know I haven't even Derek Carr to me come in with the Saints. The division is weak. Um, you have an opportunity to take the bull. There's no reason not to win the division if you're the Saints. And and, and to make Bryce the playoff push. And if you're yeah. able to do that, I'm not saying Carr is going to put up Pro Bowl type numbers or lead the Saints to the Super Bowl, but he definitely has a chance to to lead them to a division. And your buddy Mac Jones and Kenny Pickett, they're they're just now getting started. I think Kenny that, Pickett. Yeah, he's I, another one. This that, guy, I think, is going to be really good. Uh, I like Kenny Pickett. Well, outside of Pickett, I mean, Murray, Kyler Murray, does he come back from Mm. his injury, healthy or not? You always see Desmond Ritter for the Falcons. If they're able to over. fall from grace for Kyler. Yeah, but, I mean, that injury played a big role in that, too. So, uh, Jordan Love's going to get an opportunity to get his shine on the same way that the rookies Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson are as well yeah. we'll take we'll take a break right here and and we'll come back and we'll switch gears we'll we'll go here on this friday afternoon to talk a little high school football chase smith at spanish fort is going be scheduled to join us and i know spanish fort they, they've been kind of quiet this summer but they definitely made a little news as one of their players had an opportunity to to verbally commit so we'll catch up with Coach Smith next here on The Final Drive. Hi, this is Monty Burke, author of Saban, The Making of a Coach. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you this fantastic Friday evening. want to thank everyone for having us locked in. Of course, you can correspond with us on the WNSP app, or you can give us a call at 251-694-1055. And our next guest has prepared his team during the offseason seven on sevens of course otas hit the weight room real hard and the football high school football season is upon us here in about less than 40 days we'll be putting toe to leather and a great person to talk with now is chase smith coach how are you doing my friend 
Hey guys, how are y'all? And absolutely blessed by the best. And I know things have been hot and heavy down in Spanish Ford as yesterday Louisville got a new commitment from a tour a future or current Toro said he wants to be playing for Louisville. And that's always great for your program when you have a conference or a team like Louisville to show and show love to your players. Yeah, absolutely. Super excited for Cole, uh, his defensive end for us, uh, good leader for us on the team, and tremendous work ethic. It's all paid off. Happy for him. Well, it's not just him. I mean, when he sees that type of work, you have other athletes on campus that are continuing to work hard as you guys gear up for your August 24th matchup against Fairhope. Coach, let us know what you guys have been doing from an off-season standpoint and how you're preparing for this game. Uh, yeah, we're, we're right in the middle of our, our summer workouts, and uh, we, we bring the kids in four days a week, and that's where you get your, your weight lifting, your speed conditioning, and uh, get out there and be able to work your seven on and, and, and work some of your team drills and uh, get out there in helmets and get used to the heat. And, uh, we do a little walkthroughs and some film things as well. And so we're about halfway through and, and just super proud of where we're at right now. Coach, it's one of those situations to where you get a feel for Toro Nation and the growth of Spanish Ford as the campus continues to expand and administration. I know you have to be excited with the direction that the Toros are heading. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this has been home for me for 15 years and have a fantastic administration and uh, fantastic, uh, just really a great county in Baldwin County and, and their dedication to uh, $6 million renovations up there on the hill. It's going to look a lot different in the next year or two. And, uh, just super excited the direction we're going here. You play in what we call one of the toughest regions in any classifications in the entire state of Alabama, 6A Region 1. And when you look at where you guys finished overall, 7-4 and four a season ago and having an opportunity to at least make it to the playoffs and losing that heartbreaker in the first round to Pike Road. How did you use that as motivation? Because I know when you walk off the field for the final time, only one team is going to do it with the blue map. But to use that as motivation in the offseason, do you guys still think about that one-point loss in the playoffs? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, you know, the whole season and, and, and those guys that, that didn't graduate, it's a, it's a learning experience. And, uh, you know, they see it every year. And you're exactly right. Only one team ends the year with a win. And, uh, you know, I think that sets a good tone of urgency and, you know, because every day rolls by, it's a chance to get better and you can't go back and just, just being prepared and, and for the opportunity that presents itself. And, uh, you're right. This is a fantastic region, super competitive. Um, and, uh, we know that, and that kind of sets the, the precedence every day, every day we come to work, you gotta be ready and you've gotta be ready fast. And, and that's what we do every day. Coach, looking ahead to this year, I mean, you brought it up, the fantastic region you guys play in. I mean, how do you get your guys ready every day and, and focus for the season, you know, keeping the mindset of one game at a time, knowing you're going to have so many great opponents on the schedule? Uh, well, I think it's what you do every day. I mean, we don't really talk a lot about the season right now. We talk about, you know, the segments that we have planned for that day, the goals that we have set for that day, and what we're trying to achieve uh, and, and then we progress as the week goes along and just like the game, you know, I, mean, I, I don't want my kids thinking about 
the fourth quarter in the first quarter. You know, I want to progress it each snap, each play. And, you know, that's kind of how a systematic approach we have with each day. We segment the days uh, that we're going through right now based on focus and focal points. And, uh, you know, and then we get out to practice. And if we're on seven on seven, I don't want them thinking about blitz pickup. I want them thinking about seven on seven and being where their feet are. So it's kind of a systematic approach that we have to everything. Uh, and so, you know, you, you got to crawl before you walk and you got to be ready when the time's right. And, and we do look ahead uh, as the overall holistic approach to it. But, you know, specifically just approaching everything uh, just one step at a time. Coach, last season was your first year as the head coach at Spanish Ford. And I know that once, you know, they say the biggest improvement in high school football or in football in general is week one to week two, or in our case in the state of Alabama, week zero to week one. And I know that we'll go from year one to year two. You've been coaching a long time. I know that there's always growth there for you to learn more about the community there as the head coach of the Toros being a part of it in the past. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great place. Like I said, I've been here for 15 years and uh, just really, you know, every, every place is a new place and every, every, every year is a new year, but yeah, you bring up a great point. And that's, that's really why I really opted to not do a, a spring training this year and go with the fall jamboree. And I, I think that's going to pay dividends is, you know, we're going to play uh St. Michael's in a jamboree August 17th, and hopefully that'll prepare us uh, for the for the live and then color real deal versus Fair Hope on the 24th, and just get all the kinks out. And you're right, you do see the biggest difference from week one or week two, but also year one to year two. You know, this is 15 months for me, and the kids have really gotten to know me better, and 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 we've had some changes on the staff and getting those guys acclimated to. To just, you know, everybody on the same page and everybody moving in the right direction and the standards that we have every day. Everybody's got to understand those standards, whether you're a senior, whether you're a freshman. You know, we, we incorporate that with our middle school kids all the way down to our youth league. So it's this vertical alignment from top to bottom and just continuously progressing that. Well, Coach, give us a couple of players or some leaders on your team that we need to really be looking forward to watching here as we enter this 2023 season. Uh, yeah, well, you've got we've got some leader guys that have, have really stepped up. Obviously, Cole McConaughey, defensive end there that we mentioned, uh, committed to Louisville. Uh, Bree Blackman, Blake Smith, there's some offensive linemen that uh, seniors that have been great leaders for us. Gray, uh, Gray Freeman is a defensive lineman. Uh, he's a he's a, a a team leader for us there. Markel Kyer, uh is is a returning starter, uh, senior at corner. Uh, Javante Walton will be a safety for us as a returning uh, uh, senior for us as well. It's done a great job for us. And uh, we've got a couple younger guys coming on board that uh, really stood out last year. Bishop Burkhalter is a linebacker for us. Sawyer Wilson's a, a great guy for us coming back last year. We've got a couple of new faces and Drew Williamson and uh, Chandler Wilson and, and Aiden Sham, uh, Shamberger. So a lot of guys have been really putting in a lot of work and really uh, – Really, really, really doing well this summer. Really are. Well, excited to see all the new faces and all the old faces as well as we prepare for this 2023 season. Coach Chase Smith, the head football coach at Spanish Ford, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. Coach, look forward to catching you at Baldwin County Media Day.
Absolutely. Looking forward to it, guys. Thank you all so much, and go Toros. You got it. We're going to pivot from one Baldwin County coach to another, Jamie Duvos. He's also getting ready to enter his second season as the head coach at Orange Beach. The Makos made a little noise last season, again, having an 8-3 and three record, making it to the playoffs also, and coming up just three points short to Booker T. Washington. Coach Dubose, good afternoon, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, man. Appreciate you having me on today. Coach, I, I tell you, it's such a phenomenal year number one for you with the Makos. Orange Beach making a lot of history, and this is a, a, a relatively, not relatively, it is a young school in its overall growth and development. When you look at the history of the school, and now you enter in your second season. Tell us a little bit about what we can look forward to in Orange Beach Mako's football this year. Well, I think young is a key word. Uh, in a joking manner, the transfer portal really really hurt us hard this year. So we 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 uh, we're down to about uh, seven seniors right now this year. We uh, only return one starter on defense and two on offense and one of those two starters will only be a sophomore so we, we will have a lot of youth playing this year when you talk about young uh it's going to be a young one we had 21 seniors leave us last year which uh were really good for this program and uh did an outstanding job and uh were just leaders and and just uh you know you you hit the nail on the head with the record last year in the season we had uh those seniors did an outstanding job uh for two years getting this program going and, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of hitting the reset button now. And uh, like I said, we're going to be a we're going to be an extremely, extremely young football team this year. Well, coach, I mean, it's one thing, again, to see the development and in Orange Beach, Alabama, the development there. We just talked to a former Mako's head coach and Chase Smith. And when you get into your parks and recreations programs or into your feeder programs and everybody learns the lingo and everybody grows up wanting to be part of that Mako program that they saw last year, that's where sometimes, you know, sooner or later, those those young fellas got to grow up, too. So those seventh graders are soon to be 10th graders or those ninth graders are soon to be 11th graders. And you mentioned having 21, 22 seniors a year ago, but only having seven means that the numbers have nowhere to do but grow, coach. Well, you know, our, our youth programs are really doing well. They uh uh, we, we've really bounced that up a little bit. I think our, our city program, which we started last year, last year was the first time uh, we had had a uh, parts and rec tackle football program. We had had air ball or uh, programs around, but uh, not really tackle football. So we did that. Our numbers are up in that. And then uh, <clears throat> when you look at our uh, our uh, middle school, we've uh, bounced that up. We've got our coaches staff a little bit bigger there. Uh, so we've added in that in a lot of areas. And then, you know, when you look at our team this year, uh, when I say seven seniors, uh, we still have 60 on our team right now. So our team is made up of ninth and 10th graders. Uh, our junior class, uh, a little bit larger than our senior class. But, uh, you know, the majority of our team and the, and the future is our ninth and 10th graders. And, you know, when I say, you know, we, we average about 30 or, or 25 in that ninth and 10th grade class, 
the numbers are coming back through and and it's filtering back through so you know the break off from gulf shores is still you know there's still some kids there that could have helped us down here but uh you know when the break off happened they were given that choice of staying or whatever so you know that's kind of wearing out now and 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 we're starting to kind of get in the groove a little bit maybe and uh you know, we're another year away maybe from just putting our numbers to where they're steadily going to be coming through the program year in and year out. But, you know, we, we had a great spring training. We had, uh, I think, uh, around 55 to 60 finishing spring training. We've had, you know, a couple of kids that uh, ha- have moved to Orange Beach from uh, Texas and some from other places. So, you know, we're excited to have them get in. We don't know what they can do yet. So, uh uh, we're excited to have them, and uh, you know we'll, we'll see. But uh, you know it's uh, it's a fun time. There's a lot of construction going to be going on and building still down here with facilities, and you know all those type things. So the newness is still uh, really there, and and the future is what what it's looking for. But you know this senior class this year doesn't want to let this group down at all. This program has made the playoff and hosted a playoff game both years uh, that they, they, they have had the opportunity to. You know, the first year they were like a JV program playing, and then the next year, uh, Coach Smith last year here, uh, they went and had a good year, lost in the first round. And last year we had an 8-2 season, lost in the first round. Felt like we were good enough to win, but ran into a red-hot Booker T team. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the future is going to be extremely bright. There's a lot of young kids coming through. And like I said, Parks and Rec, middle school, we're just kind of getting everything set in order right now as, as the growth continues. Coach DeBose, of course, the – athletic program as a whole as Corey mentioned you know kind of a new athletic program as a whole relative to a lot of other schools you know the softball program wins a ridiculous third straight state title how can that kind of elevate the athletic programs as a whole and kind of push the Makos into a, a championship school well man I, I, I tell you what the girls program here in general if you look at what the softball team does you look at what the volleyball team does you look at what the girls basketball team does you want me to continue the the girls sports here is is just incredible right now they they've got a lot of really good talented girls uh and they're all young they're all ninth and tenth graders just about it i think the softball team had one senior this year uh we're kind of the opposite role uh, but we've got youth too but at the end of the day i heck i'd like to get some of those girls off softball team and the basketball team to dress out with us i mean uh there's some talented girls there uh that can really play sports but uh you know anytime you win championships anytime you win anything in your sports at your school all it does is elevate or help your programs grow because they see what teams are accomplishing and and what it's like to go places so you know we're excited for no matter what but right now at orange beach the girls programs are are just you know superior probably to 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 what you know a lot of other programs are they're in really good shape right now well i tell you you guys were able to get my buddy mike chase to come on down from spain park and that's a quality addition to not only the staff but to the girls basketball program as well and you have been a quality addition to the Mako's program looking in your second year to continue to guide and steer them in the right direction and I know the growth of Orange Beach not only from a facility standpoint but from a student body standpoint will will continue to come and step up to the championship standards that you have already had in all your other stops here in the state of Alabama and 
Can't do anything but wish you the best and continue to watch your program flourish under your leadership and look forward to seeing you at the Baldwin County High School Football Media Days here in a couple of weeks as well. Oh, man, I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we've got some great kids. And, you know, that's the whole reason I'm here right now is these kids. And, uh, you know, uh, these kids want to win and they want to grow. And, you know, it's just so much fun. It's kind of different for me now. I've, I've in the past, had tremendous athletes that were four and five stars. And and right now I, I may not have that, but I got it in heart with a lot of kids. But I tell you what, uh, these kids are they're a lot of fun to be around. It's great to coach and mentor and just, you know, see them grow and, and, and see things that, uh, you know, a lot of people just take for granted. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, you, you don't take things for granted. You, you, you've got to enjoy the wins, but, uh, you also got to enjoy the growth. And, and that's where I'm at right now is just watching these young men grow every day. And, you know, one thing I'll tell you, I don't know what our record will be, but they'll play extremely hard and we're going to give everybody every chance we got to win. Don't have to worry about that. Cause I know one thing about Jamie Dubose, he demands that you give everything that you have and that will equate to where it needs to be on the football field and off of the football field as well coach and you be blessed and take care of yourself be safe and look forward to seeing you soon man i thank you so much and appreciate what y'all are doing thank you so much all right jamie dubos the head football coach for Orange Beach, the Makos coming off a very successful and historic season there. Coach talked about the growth, but Jamie Dubose demands excellence. He'll get excellence as well. The final drive, we'll put the finishing touches on this Friday edition coming up next. Hi, my name is Sherman Williams, former running back for the University of Alabama and the Dallas Cowboys. And I wake up each morning listening to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive. Want to thank all our wonderful guests here on this fantastic Friday edition of it. Danny Cordy, executive director of the Mobile Sports Authority, joined us along with John Garcia, Jr., national recruiting specialist talking a lot of high school football recruits in our area and nationally as well scott miller from the major league baseball Sirius xm network joined us gus smith chase smith the head football coach at spanish fort jamie dubos just got off the line with us the head football coach at orange beach all joining us on this friday edition and of course, we always have to know what day is it? What day is it, Mike? Listen, guess what today is? <laughs> what day is it? Well, you try to figure out what day it is, Bronner, and I know today on the 7th, it's it's a pretty it's World Chocolate Day. Don't know if you've had an opportunity to have any chocolate or get you some of those chocolate glazed donuts, mm. but it's World Chocolate Day. I will now. Yeah. Now, I, now I know. And it's also National Day of Rock and Roll. I know next door to us here at the zoo, they've been rocking and rolling all day long. And for the kids, not really, um, you know, National Dora Day, Dora the Explorer. Are, uh, you know, one of those famous cartoons. And I don't know if you like fish, Bronner, but today is National Koi Day. 
You like the koi fish? I don't know. You eat koi fish, do you? No, sir. Yeah. Just enjoying them just in looking the at them. That's right. Absolutely. Sure. sure. Yeah. Great. Why Na- not? National Macaroni Day. Oh yeah. You good mac and cheese. You you go for that National Macaroni Day and International Peace and Love Day, also. So again, that's what day it is. Also on top of National World Chocolate Day, National Strawberry Sunday Day. You you, you like strawberry Sundays? I like strawberry shortcake, but no strawberry Sunday. I love strawberry ice cream. It's okay, like it's you know, it's like vanilla. You know, it's the only ice cream there. I guess. <laughs> Why not? You 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 go with it. Huh? I'm a chocolate ice cream guy. Well, man. I will say this too, and I know that uh, someone in the app chimed in. We were going to end the show with it too. You you have the running of the bulls in Spain. Would you would you get into the running of the bulls, Bronner, <laughs> at all? I guess we'll have to talk about that on Monday, but uh, n- no, I, I don't think I. Are you paying me? Hey, look, if you no, I wouldn't even pay you, brother, because I wouldn't want you to get gored. Because yeah. you get gored, and, and that's y'all. You don't nice. think I'd make it? Uh, you right. either get trampled. I'm gonna do it, or you would get gored. I'm gonna do it on that bet. Bronner said he's gonna get in on. The, the the running of the bulls, which I'll be I out on Monday. I gotta go to Spain. <laughs> People enjoy it, but I I think I'll pass on the running of the bulls. We've had a great running of the show here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Want to thank everyone for tuning in this afternoon. Look forward to checking in again with you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody.